Amen. He is good, don't you think? I love, I love that song. You keep on singing it over and over again. Maybe because the lyrics are simple, and I'm simple, and so it's just, I can remember them. Well, welcome to Element City Church. My name is Brian. Um, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we have been going through a series the last couple weeks um, called Focus, and that's been about who we're about and what, we're, what we like to do and what is God has called us to do. And so um, a couple weeks ago, Jack communicated about the invite and how Jesus invited us into a relationship with him and then how we need to return and own that we need to invite others into relationship with us so that they can also experience the relationship with Jesus. And then Kimberly last week talked about, um, oh, no, I have to, I have to update us. Um, we asked that night, um, we put a challenge in front of you that we wanted to do a thousand invites. Um, and so we ask you to text into our number 309,001 and then we would uh, we would tally those and so we are right now are so far at 70 invites that's good you give yourself a hand for that 70 invites but i want to clarify something cuz i think there's been some confusion these these um these invites don't have to be just to elements or to church these are invites inviting people into a relationship with you as you are pursuing jesus and as you are living your life you're inviting them into a relationship with you that's what the invite's about if they never come to church and they get to experience a relationship with you that is way more important than just showing up to church yes Okay, so so far 70. So we're trying to move towards 1,000 invites. So it's been, it's been three weeks and we've got 70. So do the math. If we step it up, we'll be done and then we can continue to do more invites. But let's continue to invite people and, and put that in the top of your mind of like, hey, you know what? I was invited into a relationship with Jesus. So hey, let me invite others into a relationship with me. Okay, so that's a challenge. And last week, Kimberly, uh, Kimberly um, talked about connecting. So we got inviting and connecting. And she uh, demonstrated um, that it's connecting to him, connecting to his word, connecting to his church, and then connecting to the community that's around us. And so there's many ways we can do that here at Elements. There's a, a thing called around here called e-groups. Anybody in an e-group? Share of hand if you're in an e-group. You don't have to raise your hand if you're not. That was, I didn't want to put you on the spot. But e-groups are the way that we uh, have community around here. It's a great way to get to know people. It's a great way to uh, just to, to meet new people as you, as you come. Uh, also, um, we go to, like Danielle said earlier, we go to dinner on Sunday nights. Um, sometimes we go to multiple different restaurants, but we just want to spend time with each other, kind of getting to know each other and, uh, and learning about each other. And this is, the, this is the toughest one, so I really have a hard time saying this one, but um, things that you can do to uh, kind of... Uh, connect with people is say hello. Say hi. Say hi to someone that you've met or haven't met and say hello and introduce them and have a conversation. Um, that, that could be a novel idea. And also, man, you guys are flow tonight. Gee whiz, I thought that was going to fly and that didn't. <laughs> or another option that we can do is we, can, we have a starting point class that uh, happens, um, it's two Wednesdays. We, our next one is the 18th through the 25th. Uh, Jack and I teach that, and you get to know about who we are as a church, what our mission and vision is, and where, what our plans are going forward. And so if you would like to sign up for that, you can sign up for that online, or you can sign up the next step table. But that's another way that you can connect. Um, we, we really value inviting and connecting. And the third thing we find really important here uh, at Elements is serving. 
like Daniel also said about the food distribution, is that we want to invite, connect, and serve. If you notice, these are all action words that show love and care for our community. Many times, actions speak louder than words. Has there been situations in your life when, when you've heard someone say something to you, but then you had a second thought and said, hmm, I'm going to see if that happens? Yes? I've had those. But isn't it really sweet when someone says something and then they do the actions and, say, and then they say it and they deliver what they said? That's pretty awesome, huh? Do we ever encourage people when we do that? For us to grow in areas, uh, to really figure out how to do things better, we need to go to person or people that do it best. We call this best practices. If you work in corporate America or if you work at school and education anywhere, it is how do, how do things or what processes work the best or how is the practicing work the best way. Successful businesses do it. They look at the, the way that the market is or the way that the, the certain other businesses are doing it and they copy and they model things after that to get more efficient or to be more um, aligned or to get more of a market share or whatever. Um, sports teams do it. If you have, a, if you have a, a running back that's really good and, uh, and he's come up in a free agency, what happens? You go get that free agent. You go get him so that your offense can run smoother and more efficiently. It also works uh, when we have um, coaches or teachers in our lives is when they've already been through an experience. They've already been through something that um, we've already been gone through. Um, professors... Um, I have a hard time saying that one because a, a school is, is not fun for me, but... Um, professors, teachers, counselors, coaches that have, can now can help you move along to be more efficient or to, to get a learning curve um, through a certain situation. So we want to know about serving because if we're inviting, connecting, and serving, we want to know who is the best at it. I do. I want to know who the best at it because I think serving is very important. It's a part of our DNA of our church. It's part of what the Bible says to do. And so I think the best model is Jesus in the way that he lives out and the way that he talks and the way he acts in the Bible. He lived a life demonstrating servanthood like no other. He ultimately served us in a powerful way through his death by taking on the sin of every single one of us. He died on the cross for us. That is serving others sacrificially, don't you think? Giving up his life. And if anybody had the right for an excuse or a free pass, don't you think it was the son of God? He was king. It was not his sin to take on his shoulders. He did not have to do this. It wasn't just, it wasn't fair, but he was being obedient to what the Father has asked him to do. All throughout the New Testament, we see that Jesus' best practices were that he loved and he led. He led and he loved. I think a very telling part of the life of Jesus in, in the times that he was is the times that he stopped. When he went out of his way and served people. 
Jesus stopped and served people. The stops of Jesus are just as crucial to understand about his character as his steps are. Think about the stories throughout the Bible. The interruptions that he allowed in his life helped other people. Some of the ones that are my favorite that came to mind when I was studying was the woman at the well. She had made bad choices and she was out at the well in the middle of the day and, and God, Jesus turned, turned his, his, his travel plans and he moved to meet her at the well. And she offered him water and he said, I have much, something much more important than that. So he took time, he interrupted his schedule to go meet her. And the other one is Zacchaeus, a wee little man. Those of you been around church got that one. Um, I could sing the song for you, but that would be really bad. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and in that time, tax collectors, they did not lie because they were, they'd take bribes and they'd charge more money and they were just, just not nice people. And so Zacchaeus was looked upon very poorly um, by most people. And Jesus called him out of a group, kind of went to a detour and went to a dinner at his house. Next one, the disciples were, thank you for letting me drink a little water there. Um, the disciples were rushing Jesus through a, through a busy, busy crowd. And a woman knew that if she could just get close to Jesus, that if she could just get close to him or touch him, that she'd be healed. And so she does that, and Jesus stops what he was doing and heals her of a lifelong illness. That was a stop. Another favorite story of mine of Jesus' stop was he was teaching in a house. He was, the house was fully packed and, the, and the, the doors were blocked and all that stuff. And these, these people, excuse me, goodness, people were um, trying to get their friend that was sick. He was paralyzed and they were trying to get him inside uh, to see Jesus because they knew that he could be healed. And so they thought to themselves, how can we get them? And so a very awkward interruption is someone coming through the ceiling and asking to be healed. That's an interruption, right? He's teaching. Matter of fact, most of the healings through the New Testament were detours, sacrifices, and redirections that Jesus did to make sure that people were healed and that they were served. He took, the other one was the, uh, the rich, wrong, the rich, young ruler, and he uh, came to see how he could inherit the kingdom of God. And so Jesus went, in probably the cloak of darkness, and, and at, he was, the guy was asking questions, and Jesus told him. He made time for him. But the rich one, Mueller, said, no, I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. So there is rejection involved also. But Jesus went, met with him where he was at, he took the time to reach the people that he needed, even if he got rejected or people said no. He made the stop. And you're going to hear that word a lot tonight. He made the stop. Question, when is the last time we took the time to make the stop? When was the last time that we took time to make the stop.
How do we feel when our plans, our schedules get interrupted? Some of you firstborns may have some issues with that. Or we say, we have no time, but if we really looked at the way we spend our days, we may be able to squeeze some stops, maybe throughout the day. Between the average of seven hours of social media that we're on and four hours of TV that an average American does daily, when do we make the stop? In 1 Peter 4.10, it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I'm gonna read that again. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Serving others is not one more thing to do on our checklist. To be a servant means we genuinely need to care about people. Let me say that again. To be a servant means that we generally and very, we need to be care. We need to care about people. Not just see them as people in traffic or just people I have to get around to make my schedule happen. It's keeping our eyes, our hearts, and our schedules open for divine appointments for the Spirit to give us. Let me take a time out. I wanna reframe service just a little bit. When I was growing up in the church and, and when, when I've sat and listened to people um, talk about service, two things come to mind, extremes. One, if I have to serve, I'm gonna go to Africa. Right? I mean, to be honest, that's what I heard as a little kid. If I'm gonna serve, I have to go somewhere overseas or that's what I have to do. Or I need to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and spend some money and go feed a homeless person that doesn't have a meal. Anybody agree with me on that? We go to extremes. But then we go to extremes because then we can easily excuse those away. Because maybe I live on the east side and I, I, there's no homeless people near me. Oh, I can't afford a trip to, to Africa or overseas. So those are things that we can easily excuse away. So I want to reframe Serving is anybody that comes in contact with you on a daily basis you can serve. It needs to be the way we live our everyday lives, not just something we do every once in a while. Something that we live out every day, not just an event that makes us feel better every once in a while. You ever helped the grocery lady at the store? She had no bagger and you just stepped on the end of the line and you just bagged up your stuff and just walked out? That can help her out. Making a cookie 
or I know some of you can bake because I've had some of that stuff that you've, you've made. What does it look like not, not around Christmas or Thanksgiving or a holiday to walk up to your neighbor's house and say, hey, I was just thinking of you. How can I pray for you? Here's some cookies. How about pulling over when you see someone on the side of the road and change their tire or help them or call somebody and actually stop and have a conversation with them? Just thinking, well, you know what? I'm busy. Someone else will get it. What can we do in our everyday lives? Most of you work, some of you work in corporate America where you have cubicles that you work in and you go to work in your cubicle and you have little or no reaction maybe to to people around you. What would it look like if you made little notes of encouragement or you spoke highly of something they did? Or you're in a meeting with someone and you literally, they said something very smart or intelligent and you actually gave them an encouragement and said, hey, that was really, really good. Thanks for doing that. That made my day. Serving doesn't have to be Africa or feeding the homeless. Serving can be the prompts of your heart to just give a small bit of encouragement, a a hand, a help, or a prayer. I bet you we'd be surprised if we literally had a gun they could scan our brains and tell all the emotional pain or all the situations we're in and all the stress and literally could come up on the screen. I think we'd be shocked about the stresses that we're in right now and how, as believers in Jesus Christ, how do we as a church, how do we as people serve others with our lives? Um, you, if you've been around Elements in any length of time, you know that I love sports and I love coaching and I coach baseball. And um, my son is playing uh, varsity football at Tanker Verde High School. And, um, and so I thought, you know what? I'm going to go out and I'm going to coach. Um, and so I, I went out and I started talking with, uh, with the coaches there and built a relationship with them. And they were like, yeah, come on, let's do that. So I was thinking, yes, I'm going to get offensive line, or I'm going to get defensive line, I'm going to get you know, linebackers, or I'm going to be able to teach them and do all that stuff. And I was super excited. So I show up for the first, um, the first game, because uh, you have to take certifications now, and my certification hasn't reported, but they let me be on the sideline. And, and so the coach didn't give me anything to do, and guess what? I prayed, God, help me serve in any way possible, because I want to reflect you well at his, at his school. And guess what my, uh, my, the spirit told me to do? Be the picker-upper. Here I am, I've coached varsity sports before, I've got a degree in, in PE, I'm thinking I'm all that and a bag of chips, and I'm thinking I'm gonna bring a lot to this team. And the spirit says, check your attitude, check your pride, you're gonna pick up water bottles and serve the coach. Wherever he goes, you do something. If he asks you to, to scrub footballs, you scrub footballs. If it's to clean shoes, you clean cleats. Do whatever the Spirit tells you to do. And so you know what I did for the first two, three weeks? I picked up nasty Gatorade bottles off the lawn after they've been stuck in the mud after the football players have come off the sideline. I was struggling. Do they not who, who I am? Don't they know that I'm a pastor of a church? Don't they know, don't they know, don't they know, don't they know? And guess what I did last week? 
during the football game. I was a picker-upper. Picked up water bottles, picked up tape. Make sure kids get near coach. On the plus side, since I've done that, I had the quarterback walk up to me at halftime and say, coach, I'm struggling right now. I need some prayer before I go back out in the second half. Can you pray for me? So let our pride be down. Let our position be down. Knowing that if we serve, we are serving Jesus just like he served us. If we serve to get recognition, if we serve to get position, then our motives are way off. Jesus was not stressed about time. Jesus led by the Spirit of God and followed his promptings to serve, love, and help others. And this is the one that I've had to learn over the last several weeks. No task was ever beneath Jesus and no person was ever unworthy. No task was ever beneath Jesus and no person was ever unworthy. It's a tough lesson. but Jesus came to this earth perfect, died for us, and sometimes we have a hard time serving even the people that we like versus the people that we dislike. Jesus not only led by serving, he loved by serving. Jesus not only led by serving, he loved by serving. I need two volunteers to come up with to the stage tonight. I need one female, one male. Um, I won't do anything embarrassing, I promise you. I just, uh, or I'll pick. So um, I have, I need one female and one male, and I just need you to walk up here and trust me. And so uh, these two are uh, coming up here. I'm just going to have them sit behind me real quick. Get cozy. I'm sorry you have to look at my posterior for a second, but I'm, I'm sorry. One of my favorite, favorite scriptures, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible about serving, and actually all time. Can you guys see these guys all right in the light? Come come a little bit more. Come a little bit more. One of my favorite scriptures is when Jesus is in the uh, his upper room on Passover. It's one of the most powerful uh, scriptures that I have heard when I was a kid and have heard it over and over and over again. And every time I hear this scripture about uh, about Jesus and how he leverages his power and his position, it just moves my heart. And so uh, tonight we're talking about service. And um, what I 
want you to get, I'm going to put a frame of mind here, and I want you just to be thinking about people that are in your sphere of influence, in your classes, in your work, or wherever those are. It could be your neighbors, it could be your family, it can be all that kind of stuff. But Jesus, knowing his death was about to come, even a person in the room was about to betray him and tell him to give him over to the people that were going to kill him. He brought them all into a room. They were going to be um, serving the Passover. So they're all there, and uh, they're sitting there, and they're about ready to eat the meal, and they have traveled a distance, and so their feet were dusty and nasty. A common courtesy um, there was the servants would actually wash the feet of the people before they eat or before they came in the house. And this means so much to me, is that Jesus, it says in the scripture, took off his outer garments. He took off his outer garments and stood in front of his disciples and said, I'm going to wash your feet. And in our culture, where there's all kinds of germs and all that kind of stuff, people are like, what? And these two are very brave. But as I wash their feet tonight, we are, I want you to be thinking about who God wants you to wash their feet. Not literally, but how can you serve them? This is just an action of serving, taking our position, taking our pride, taking everything that we think we have and lowering it and saying, God, let us love like you love. Let us lead like you lead. And so while I'm washing their feet, I want you to be thinking and praying and then I'll come back after we get done.
And the scripture says in John 13, if you want to turn to it, starting verse 12, said, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to the place where he was sitting. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I am your Lord and teacher, I have washed your feet. You also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than the master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who has sent him. Hmm. You call me teacher and Lord. Now that I am Lord, I have washed your feet. I'm not Jesus. I'm definitely not Jesus. But when we ask when we ask God and we open our lives and we give those, those moments of divine uh, to let him work in us and the opportunities to be available, to be flexible, we get to see God work in his power because we have humbled ourselves. He gave us a visual model for us to remember of how he came to serve and how we can serve. He gave us this model so that the followers of Jesus could use this as an example going forward. Element City Church, I want our lives to mean something. I want our church to mean something. I want our lives to glorify him. I don't want us to be known for being selfish. I want us to be known for being selfless. And when we serve, when we serve our community, when we serve our coworkers and we serve our family, we get to extend God's grace and God's glory and we get to build God's kingdom. So let this act be an example to you. Are we going to fail? Yes. Are we going to get rejected? Yes. Are we always going to, to, to be wrapped up in open arms? No. Why would we think that everything would go smooth and everything would go on plan and schedule? Jesus had detours and he had a stop. And he stopped when the Spirit asked him to stop, and he did some amazing things. And the power in us and the Spirit in us allows us to have that same power that was in Christ Jesus. But we have to believe. We have to believe that our service, our action, our time is worthy to be given to him. The last thing they did that night was they took communion. And Jesus talked about his body being
being in, in the bread and his blood, being the wine. And said, remember, remember me, remember this. Because my body will be broken. And this is the, my blood that it covers all sin. Knowing in that moment that he leveraged all his position, all his authority that has been given to him by this father. And he humbly fed his disciples. That's the posture we need to take with our lives. As we invite, as we connect, and as we serve, we're doing it in Jesus' name. Not for kudos, not for, for checks on a checkboard. Because Jesus demonstrated to us through his body, his death, and his life that where we are supposed to serve. So tonight, as you take communion, there's communion in the middle and on the sides. Lyle will continue to play and just, just get real. If there's per certain people or certain things that are on your heart, maybe that are holding you back, deal with it. Baggage always travels with you. It just doesn't stay at one spot. So if there's something you need to deal with God, you need to get right with God, come down and pray. Take communion. If you're good, say, just thank Jesus for the sacrifice and the service that we've gotten been a part of. Let me pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you that you are so humble and so willing to serve us and die on the cross for us. And Lord, that you so gave us this wonderful picture of washing the feet of the disciples. Lord, what a great depiction of you have, you had every right not to. You had every reason to just excuse it and to demand something different. But you didn't. You used your power and your position and who you were and leveraged it so the disciples could see what servanthood looked like. 